Uh, open with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to start reading in verse 19. There was a man that had a demon-possessed son. We know the story, and it had been all his life this way, and the, the, the demon would cast his son into a fire to try to kill him, or cast him into the water to try to drown him. Well, that's what the devil does. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? That's pretty fitting of what Satan uh, tries to do and is all about. But the Lord came to give life and that we have it more abundantly. That life is in Christ. His life is in His Son. Uh, in the Father's Son, Jesus. But His disciples, for whatever reason, we don't know at first, they could not cast the, the demon out of the boy. And the man was desperate and comes to the Lord. Well, we're just going to skip down to the story because the Lord did cast him out. and He was healed that very hour. But I want us to pick up in verse 19. Matthew 17, 19. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. I want to stop right there. There's more to the story and so forth, but there's not more uh, as far as what we're talking about today. The Lord said, you could not cast out the demon that I did cast out because of your unbelief. And we're going to start a series this morning, and it's going to be several weeks, however long it takes us to get through it. We're going to do a series on faith. I've been wanting to do this for a long, long time, and uh, just felt the Lord leading us to start Revelation. And the Lord leading us to start this series on faith. And so part one is going to be today. And we're basically today going to talk about what faith is and what faith is not. Because both are very important. A lot of what's thought to be faith is not real faith. And we need to understand what real faith is according to the Word of God. What is biblical faith? And so forth. And Jesus said, you couldn't cast out he, he, he was rebuking them. He wasn't done with them and like putting them off forever. But he was making a point. They asked him, why could we not cast them out? Cast the devil out? And he says, because of your unbelief. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you'd say to this mountain, remove to yonder place, and it would, be, it would be removed. And nothing shall be impossible to you. I mean, that's quite a statement to make that to men. We say, okay, God, nothing's impossible to you. I believe that. For he made this statement in verse 20. And uh, at the end, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. He wasn't just talking about these 12 men. He was talking about people of faith. He's talking about people that are born again. People that are walking in the power of God. People that are walking closely to the Lord and that trust in Him. And so we're going to talk about faith. For the next several weeks, it's not going to be the last we ever talk about faith, for sure. But in this series, we're going to focus upon it. You don't have to turn there, but we all know the Scripture. If you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, what is the whole chapter about? It's about faith. It's known for being that. It gives examples of men and women of faith in the Old Testament. Um, but it begins by saying, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's how Hebrews 11, the hall of faith 
chapter starts out, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That is not a definition of faith, by the way. That's not the Greek definition or the Hebrew if you were to look it up. What it is is more of a description. We're going to give the definition in just a moment, but that is a description of faith. It's the, it's the uh, faith is the substance. That means the support or the assurance or the confidence. Okay, it's, it's actually that word substance. It's the substance of things hoped for. That means things we long for, we want, we desire, that we have not realized yet, we haven't obtained yet, or not in our pockets yet, we haven't seen it take place yet. Faith is the substance of, which means the assurance of, or the confidence of. It's the same word was used when talking about a title or a deed to a piece of property or some ownership or some cattle or whatever. I haven't got the cattle yet, but I've got, I paid for it and i got the deed right here. You know, they're delivering them tomorrow. We'll have them, okay? Or we're going to take possession of the property at the end of the week once they, you know, fix the air conditioning unit for me. It's going to be ours. We've paid for it. Here's the deed and so forth. So think about that in terms of this. Faith now, right now, Faith is the substance of, or the assurance or confidence of, the support of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The evidence there means proof. That's all it means. The proof is not seen. But the support and the assurance and the confidence is there. It's presence. This is what faith is. This is what faith is. The definition of faith, and these are good notes to take. This is going to be a wonderful study. We're just going to build off of this. The definition of faith is just what you would think it would be. Okay, it means belief. It means persuasion, conviction, assurance, truth. And even one of the definitions is reliance upon Christ. Okay? Conviction, assurance, belief, reliance upon Christ. But this, this thought about faith is what makes faith faith. Okay? Is that it's is a conviction and a proof, a conviction or an assurance in our hearts of things not seen yet. The whole thing about faith and sight, you can't separate that. The faith and the unseen. You know what I mean? The faith. We've never. I've never seen the Lord. I, I talk about this all the time. You might have. So I'm not going to doubt anything you've seen. But I've never seen the Lord. I personally have never seen a vision of the Lord. I've never had a dream where I went up and shook hands with him or you know, hugged him or something like that. Like John saw him on, for real, you know, on, we talked about this morning in Sunday school. I've not seen that. But God has given an assurance in my heart by the Holy Spirit that he is real. And he is real and he is mine and I'm going to see him and nothing can take him away. There's a confidence in that. That's more than life. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's enough to die for. It's enough that you can't take that away from me. I know and I know that I know. And I haven't seen Him. And yet I know. That whole relationship between faith and sight or faith and unsight, I guess you would see, not seeing, that's at the heart of faith all through the Bible. The, uh, and I'll just mention this. I'm going to give the Scriptures, but I'm going to read them for time's sake. The Bible says of faith of Moses, by faith, how did he do it? By faith. Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So the whole thing about faith, he saw him, 
to him, to Moses, the Lord was, I don't know even the word big enough to, to describe it, totally real, completely real. There was a full assurance of God and his, his reality, the reality of God, okay? Even though he didn't see him, he endured by faith to seeing him who is invisible. How did he endure by faith? Okay? The Bible says, and Peter says in 1 Peter 1.8, whom having not seen, you love him. Isn't that wonderful? We love somebody we've never seen. Never. We've never seen him. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now you see him not, yet believing, there's the faith part, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so, um, this, there's the picture here, or the, the description of faith, is that it's not at all a matter of physical sight. It's not a matter of mere uh, mental capabilities that I can, I can form this picture of Christ in my mind and then I'll hang on to that. It's not that. It's not based upon my ability to reason God out or to see Him physically or these two organs of sight to see Him at work necessarily like I think I should see Him at work. Faith is not based upon those things. Faith is... Uh, it doesn't mean that our faith is baseless, by the way. When faith is not based upon things that we see, okay, it does not mean that faith has no basis, no support, no ground upon which to build a foundation of faith. Uh, it's faith in the Lord and the living God. True faith is not unreasonable, like the critics might say. It's not blind faith, as a skeptic might say. Uh, it's not wishing and hoping. An unbeliever looking at you in your life and saying, I'm praying for you know, my, something, something big in your life. You're praying for um, something to work out. I'm praying for God to stop the rain when it, it looks like there's no stop to it all. But we're getting ready to minister at Foxy's and we're praying for the rain to stop so we can go. Uh, an unbeliever would look and say, you, you know, they think you're just off a little bit. You know, you're a little crazy. You're, you're not intelligent. You're not rational. But true faith in God is not based on the physical side, but it's not baseless. It's not that it has no support or foundation. True faith is not hoping... Uh, I mean, faith, true faith is not merely hoping and wishing that things work out. I'm cross my fingers and hope for the best. That's not faith, Okay? I'm going. It's, neither is uh, true faith a denial of reality. You know what I'm saying? Like if Lazarus was dead, he was dead. Jesus even said to his disciples before they went, "I'll speak clearly to you now. Lazarus is dead." It's not a denial of reality. It's a trust in one who's greater than than what we see physically. And this is what what faith is, and we're going to build upon this. Neither is faith merely positive thinking. Like uh, Norman Vincent Peale was big in, in pushing this stuff, I guess back in the 70s and, and making it very popular. It spilled over into churches. Positive thinking. you got to be positive about everything. Uh, and although, as though me being positive is going to change the situation. And it doesn't. Faith is much greater than that. Okay? Uh, it, it's not merely positive thinking. It's not as a... A New Ager would say, or a Scientologist would say, faith is not mind control, uh, where I can, 
I can orchestrate reality through the power of my mind, impose my will from my mind upon that, you know, cup of ice cream and make it come over here to me, you know, or change. Uh, it's not mind control over matter. I'm trying to tell you through what we're going to look at of what faith is and what it is not. It's not those things. Um, you'll hear people, people saying, it, like I said, these things spill over, these fallacies of faith spill over into the church world as well. There's a big faith movement, okay? If I can believe it enough, then I can, it's no different than the positive thinkers or the New Agers. It's no different at all. If I can think it enough and somehow stir up enough faith, then I can make that thing happen. I can make money come to myself. Uh, and we laugh at it because we know it's ridiculous, but there are people in churches that call themselves Christians that preach that and teach that and those that follow after that. Uh, biblical living faith, real faith is described in the Bible and evidenced by men and women uh, through the ages that trusted in God has a, the most sure foundation of all. It's not wishing and hoping. We have the solid rock. We have the greatest assurance of all because Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. And so our faith is in the Almighty. Our faith is in Almighty God. That's what our faith is in. That's who our faith is in. The maker of heaven and earth. The base and the basis and the, uh, the bedrock of the Christian faith is the Lord Himself. And it's the unchanging I am, the eternal God. And trust placed in Trust that is placed in Almighty God is never misplaced trust. Have you ever in your life, I have, put your trust in someone or something that let you down? You trusted, and then you look back and you wish you hadn't trusted because they didn't come through, it didn't come through, I didn't come through because our trust was in ourselves. But faith that's truly placed squarely upon the person of Christ, upon this eternal God, the maker of heaven and earth, that's never misplaced trust. I'll tell you what else our faith is not. Our faith is not in our faith. Now that sounds kind of funny, but my faith is not in my faith. My faith is not in my ability to, to feel strong about my faith or to muster up some kind of faith. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is in God. Okay? It's, it's like the grain of a mustard seed, he said. And I think about that mustard seed faith sometimes. We've, we've seen him. One time I went and bought a pack of them, you know, at, at you know, Home and Garden Center or whatever. Got a little pack because I was given an illustration for the Parkview Bible study. And I, I opened up the mustard seeds and poured some out. And I got just one. It is tiny. It's tiny as like a, a like a, a head of a pen. If you just put a dot on a piece of paper, a mustard seed is little. But that mustard seed faith, as tiny as it is, it is a real mustard seed, right? The mustard seed is little, but it's a real mustard seed. And this is what we're talking about. There's a difference between a genuine faith in God and uh, a supposed or so-called faith. The mustard seed faith is small, but it's real. And the Lord says, if you have, have faith in God, 
if our faith is genuinely placed in Christ, even if it's small and we don't feel strong about our faith and we're, you know, maybe struggling with some things, but we really can put our faith in God. It's genuine faith. He says nothing shall be impossible to him who believes. Certainly God wants our faith to be strong and to be strengthened. And as more we walk with him in his word, we'll look about that at that in future weeks. Um, our faith is going to be strengthened. But when I say our faith is not in our faith, it's important that we realize that. Uh, just like we've talked about worship before. True worship, some people, and I've seen it, I may have been guilty of it in my own life at, at times in, in past and other churches, our worship is not, some people worship their worship. Some people worship the way they feel when they're in a worship service. When so-and-so is playing and when this person's singing and that group's singing and they're singing the kind of songs I like and when the lighting's just right, then I worship. What they're really doing is worshiping a feeling that they have or an atmosphere rather than God because God doesn't need the atmosphere and the lights and all that. He's to be worshiped. Okay? And my faith is not to be in my faith. My faith is to be in Christ and Him alone. Nothing supporting it, nothing propping it up, not how I feel about it. My faith is in God. Period. Well, none of my family believes anymore. They all walked off. Well, I still believe in God. You understand what I'm saying? My faith is not in my faith or how I feel about my faith. My faith is in the one who died and rose again. My faith is in God. My faith is in the one who created and he still creates, who spoke and still speaks life, who keeps His Word, who fulfills His promises, who cannot lie and does not lie. And the Bible says that God, eternal life which God has promised, God who cannot lie has promised the hope of eternal life. So as He promised the believers, Titus 1-2, God has promised and given the hope of eternal life. And then it says, so where they're confident in that, it says this God that promised cannot lie. Not, not that He rarely does it or does, chooses not to do it. He never does it and it's impossible. There's another Scripture that says it's impossible for God to lie. His name is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Just listen to this. God keeps His promises so we can put our trust in God. Isaiah 55.11, you've heard the Scripture, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. So God doesn't just speak vain things. I have before. You just blabbering something out of your mouth, just getting diarrhea of the mouth, right? You're just talking and saying things. It's not all sinful, but it can be uh, it can be vain, just pointless and empty, right? Sometimes it can cross over into sin and a lie and things like that. But the Lord says, So shall my word be that goeth that forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Shall the Lord say it and not do it? It's a rhetorical question. He's going to say it, and then the Bible says He watches over His Word to perform it. If He says it, it's a scripture in the Psalms that says He, he spoke and it was done. He commanded it and it stood fast. Talking about creation. Let there be light. Let the waters bring forth the light and the, the uh, life and the fish and everything. He, he spoke and it was done. He commanded it stood fast. God's not vain in His Word. So what are we talking about faith? So if He has promised something, 
we have the confidence to know it's going to come to pass. Our confidence is in Him. My faith is not in my faith. My faith is in this faithful God who promised it. Our faith in, in God is as secure and sure as He is. This is the point I want us to, if we get one thing out of this whole study for weeks and weeks, I want us to understand that we are completely right and correct to put our faith in God. He is not going to let us down. And our faith is, is as secure as God Himself that we put our faith in. In other words, if He's weak, if He's maybe, if He's halfway, you know, and makes some mistakes every now and then, then that's, our faith would be in that. And that's what we could expect. But if He is perfect, and He watches over His Word to perform it, and He cannot lie, and He has spoken it, then our faith is in God, and we can trust he is always going to come through. Not sometimes, not most of the time, not almost all the times, but all, yeah. all of the time. Amen. He is going to accomplish it every single time. He is faithful, okay? And His Word to men, His promises to men are as sure as He is. In fact, one of the names of Jesus, we know in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The Lord chose for one of His names to be the Word. Because you cannot separate, in one sense, Christ from His Word. There is sure, one is as sure as the other. He's really faithful, but His promises aren't. You know, that doesn't add up. He, sp he speaks it and He does it. And so one of His names is the Word of God. And so He's absolute. He is true and He's truth. His promises and His Word is true. And actually, there's nothing more sure than the Lord. So the skeptic that's ridiculing or laughing, kind of mocking and snickering and rolling their eyes at the Christians and what we believe, and they see you in the hospital praying for what looks like it's impossible, uh, and they kind of roll their eyes and they're just going to be patronizing and be patient with those poor little simple Christians. We really have put our trust in the most sure foundation of all. I mean, all other ground, the Bible says, is sinking sand. That means the medical doctor who might not be a believer is rolling their eyes. They're, they're built on sinking sand. Their foundation is sinking sand. It's not going to last. It's not going to uphold them in the time of trouble. It's not going to hold them in the time of judgment. It's not going to uphold them in the time of death. It's not going to uphold them. Uh, but our confidence is in the Lord. Faith in God is not based upon natural sight or feelings, like I said, or circumstances, but upon the Lord Himself. The God of the Word and the Word of God. The God of the Word and the Word of God. Our trust and belief is in Him, His, His character. So we need to know God. We need to know His Word. What is the character of God? What are the attributes of the Most Holy? Okay, what is He like? We need to study. We need to get to know the Lord because our faith and our belief is in Him. His character, His strength, His promises, His love, His Word, His testimony, His track record. God has a track record, doesn't He? He has a testimony of being faithful. He has a testimony of being faithful in your life. In fact, you can never think of a time where God was unfaithful to you. You can think of plenty of times, and so can I, when I've been unfaithful to God. But I can never think of a time when He's been unfaithful to me. It doesn't mean everything always turned out like I wanted it to, but when He brings me through the trial, I'll look back and I'll say, even there, God was faithful. 
even there it was just like it was supposed to be. Exactly like God wanted it to be. Thank you, God. But you'll never find a time where God was unfaithful. Ever. And so our faith is in this perfect one who has a testimony himself. Testimony is not just how I got saved. God has a testimony or a record of himself. All the word of God. And then his actual work is in your life. That's part of his testimony. And uh, I just want to read this real quickly. David says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Psalm 89. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. But my faithfulness, the Lord says, my faithfulness and my mercy shall be with him as David's descendants. And in my name shall his horn be exalted. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will not, I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. There's so many scriptures about the faithfulness of God. But I thought about this because the Lord says he is not going to allow his faithfulness to fail. You know what I mean? Think about uh, people that we love and we want to be there for them. You know what I'm talking about? You want to be there for your children. You want to be there for your spouse. You want to be there for your friends and each other in the church. And we should want to. Faithfulness is a wonderful, godly attribute, trait in the life of believers. But even if we wanted to and we strove to, there's some point where maybe in life we couldn't come through. Where I wasn't there for my boys. Or I wasn't there for my wife or one of you and vice versa. Even if I wanted to be, I couldn't be there. You understand what I'm saying? We're limited. But God is faithful always. He's not a man. He doesn't fit in the mold of a man. He's God. And we can put our trust in Him. And we are to have an object of our faith. So in our study, I want you, if you're taking notes, this would be a good note, that as believers, we have an object of our faith. And for an unbeliever, let's say an idolater in, in Paul's day in the Bible, when he went to Athens and there was little <coughs> monuments to all these little gods as he walked on the road coming into town. Uh, people build shrines and they build, uh, they worship men. We're following this man. Cult leaders, you know, and they all drink the poison together. Uh, their faith is in something other than the Lord. They have, they have an object of their faith. They're trusting this leader. They're trusting this statue. They're trusting their bank account. They're trusting themselves because I'm so clever and smart and strong and sharp and wealthy and I just have this gift. I can wiggle out of every problem. I can, when it all dust settles, I'll come out on top every time and their confidence is in themselves. They have an object of their faith as well even if they would ridicule yours, your faith in God. But we have an object of our faith. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ, the faithful one that David spoke of and that the Word of God speaks of. And when our faith is in Him, we'll never be disappointed. Never, never, never be disappointed. You'll never be let down. When you cast your care upon God and leave it there by faith, He's going to take it every time. Every single time. Maybe longer than you wanted to wait for an answer. 
But he still got it, and he still got you, even while you're waiting. You put your trust in the right place. It's longer than you wanted, but you're doing. You're on the right track. You're in God's hands. Let Him take care of it. I'll be still and know that you're God, Lord. That's faith, right? Confidence in His character, His faithfulness. We have an object of our faith. It is not pie in the sky, uh, baseless, unrealistic, flimsy, weak. Uh, it's it's based upon the Lord, the most solid foundation of all. All other ground, as I said, is seeking sand. And so a true Christian, a true follower, a disciple of the Lord, uh, a true believer has Christ as our object. We have the faith in the Lord. And the, the faith movement, you know, Kenneth, Kenneth Hagin was a, called the granddaddy of this, but I would say Satan is the author of this stuff from the Garden of Eden on, okay? Kenneth Copeland and numerous others that follow. Uh, I'm not saying every one of them is demon-possessed and so forth. I'm saying that doctrine is a doctrine of seducing spirit and the doctrine of devil, okay? I'll go that far. But I actually heard uh, one of these men on a Christian TV show being interviewed and when somebody said to them about the object of their faith, they scratched their head. A promoter of this hyperfaith movement said, I don't even know what you're talking about, an object of my faith. Because to a hyperfaith person, it's like we're little gods. And, and I know I might be paraphrasing, they might not say these words, but we can, if, if I get enough of this faith, then I can exercise that over people, circumstances, situation, reality, and change it by my faith. God is not really in the picture, in other words. Uh, they say that God used faith. He doesn't use faith. God doesn't use faith. He just is who He is. He can do anything, okay? Uh, he doesn't have to put His faith or confidence in someone else. He just is who He is as God. And so our object of our faith is God who can do all things. But to the faith movement, faith is more of a power or a, um, uh, an ability or power or a mindset where I can control reality by my faith. You can package that up and put it in a Christian church. You can package it up and put it in a, a Scientology church. You can package that up and put it in uh, atheist, you know, who worships Mother Earth, and it's the same type of, of belief. It's similar, very similar, to the Star Wars Force, right? And I know we kind of talk about that and, and laugh a little bit because of the movie and all, but in the Star Wars movies, there was this force, and it was out there. It was impersonal. It was just this force that ran through the universe. And if you could figure the way to tap into it, basically, then you would have this same power flowing through you. You don't need to worship some God. You don't need to be morally good or morally accountable to anybody. You just need to plug in to the power. And if I can plug into the power, it could be used for evil, so-called evil, or so-called good. It's all evil. That kind of thought. Okay, but you understand the point. It's impersonal. There's not really an object. The power's there. I don't owe anything to the power. I just need to tap into it and start using it. 
And that's, that's more along the lines of what a hyperfaith or a faith movement, uh, it's not a biblical faith. There's a wonderful biblical faith that we're talking about, but that's an unbiblical faith that is not Christian. And they don't have the Lord as their object of their, of their faith. The Bible says, for all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. What does he say? All the promises in Christ. It's about the Lord. His promises are yes and yes. They're not yes and no. They're yes. They're not yes and maybe. They're yes. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus. Has God made a promise to us? Lots of them. In His Word, and maybe He has spoken some specific promises about specific, specific things in your life. Those promises are as sure as He is, and the promises are, are good because He's good. They're valid. They're going to come to pass because He is who He says He is. I'll get back to this for just a moment. Our faith is not in our faith. Our faith is not in how I feel about my faith at any particular moment. It's not how I feel about God today or how I feel about the Bible today. It's not my ability and my ability to develop a strong mental picture and really get myself pumped up or work, worked up with a lot of positive thoughts. Saying it over and over again. You know, uh, I'm not saying that we don't need to counsel ourselves. We do. But we counsel ourselves with the Word of God. We counsel ourselves by taking what He has spoken and and letting God strengthen our faith through that. We don't just pump ourselves. I'm going to go to this Christian concert. By the time I'm through, I'm bouncing off the walls. Okay? And yet, we're no further along in our Christ-like character, our real trust in the Lord, or in our walk with God than we were before we went in. True faith is going to move us on in the Lord. True faith is going to say, though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. That means even if He kills me, Job said, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to maintain my integrity before the Lord. My walk with God. My trust in Him. And so, uh, Paul Yonggi Cho, or David Cho, he's changed his name. Uh, biggest church in the world, so to speak. Uh, he, he wrote the book called The Fourth Dimension. He talks about altering reality. It's quote Christian. It's not Christian as far as when I study the Bible and see faith to be. He gives examples about Abraham used faith to get Isaac. He didn't use faith. He trusted God and God blessed him with Isaac. Sometimes him and Sarah doubted and doubted greatly and they sinned. And there, but, it, but all along he, he held on. There was this thread of faith of a grain of mustard seed. Sometimes it probably waxed really strong. Sometimes it was very small, but yet he trusted God. But it, uh, Cho says that Abraham used faith and the word he uses is the fourth dimension. Okay? The fourth dimension. Anytime you hear any woo-woo kind of stuff like that, we just need to say, you know, I'll stick with the Bible, okay? Uh, uh, that the fourth dimension is we take a thought, okay? A human being takes a thought, and then what we want, what we desire, I want my business to grow, th grow threefold this year. And so I'm a businessman, I own a business, and I'm a Christian, so I'm going to... I'll. I want my business to grow. I'll take this thought. I picture it growing threefold. What that would be like. And Cho says you incubate that thought in your mind. It's the word he uses. Until we give birth to it. We give birth to our Isaac. Our business growth. 
or whatever. Brand new car sitting out in the driveway in the morning. He even gave the example that one time he had prayed using these these techniques, as he called, you know, says he, he incubated these thoughts and he said, God, you said that if we ask anything in your name, we'll have it. Well, I need a bike to get around town and I've been praying. I hadn't got my bike yet. This is Joe's words. And the Lord, he said, the Lord spoke to him and says, well, I'm waiting on you. You never told me what color bike you wanted. So see, God is just a, a little genie who does what we want. We have to learn Cho's rules of faith. We have to buy his book. We have to learn the fourth dimension. No, you know what Jesus said? Have faith in God. Amen. Have faith in God. And so we trust him. God's not going to be manipulated by me. He's not going to do it because I believe very strongly or don't believe strongly. He's going to do what he's going to do. He wants me to trust in him and nothing is impossible to the one that believes in him. He's walking with him is what he says. And so uh, my faith is not in how I feel about my faith. My faith is not in men, even good men, even Christian men. My faith is in God. My faith is not in a religious system. My faith is not in a philosophy. My faith is in God. David said, uh, give us help from trouble for vain is the help of man. So my faith is not in men. My faith is certainly not in myself. My faith is in God. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. Ye let God be true and every man a liar. And when I think of every man, I put myself at the top because I don't even tell myself the truth all the time. I might not come up to you and lie to you, but a lot of times in my, to my own heart and my own self, I'm lying and say, That's, God said that, but he's really not going to do that. And then I'll say, God, forgive me for doubting. You understand what I'm saying? The one who's not true in the whole picture is men and even me and you. Let God be true and every man a liar. Our faith is to be in God. Listen to this. Peter, after, after the Lord had cursed the fig tree, and there, there's a lot of uh, stories or, or truths that can be brought out of that, that story. But he passes by, he went to the to fig tree that perhaps he happily he'd find fruit on it. There was no fruit. He cursed it. They passed by the next day and it's withered out. And Peter calling to remember saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus, this was his answer. Well, let me tell you about fig trees or let me tell you about incubating a thought in your mind. Or in, he said, Jesus answered, saith unto him, have faith in God. That was his answer to the fig tree withering up supernaturally fast. Is there one day? The next day it's withered up like a dry twig. And he, his answer was, have faith in God. Okay? Have faith in God. And so listen, and we're going to be bringing this to a close. Any faith quote, faith, that is detached from God is not faith. It's not true biblical faith. And you can fill in the blanks however you want, but any faith that um, is detached from the Lord, from His might and who He is, His character, detached from His Word, thus saith the Lord from Genesis to Revelation, any faith that is detached from that uh, and stands alone, so to speak, like the Star Wars force, or like Paul Youngie Cho, I've got to, I can command God. If I can incubate the thoughts, it's all up to me. If I can incubate the thought enough, that's how Abraham got Isaac. 
God away. That's, that's what they would say. But any faith that stands alone, I would say apart from Christ as being the object of the faith, apart from Christ as being the faithful one who we can trust and put our complete trust in, is not a true faith. So I think it's just important in the study to say what faith is. It is not. It's, it's to say what it is. And we're going to look at both. That's not true faith. God wants us to have faith. Okay? We must have faith. Hebrews 11, 6, we, know this, we all know the Scripture. But without faith, it is impossible. Not hard, not difficult. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But listen what he says. For he that cometh to God. So somebody's coming to God with true faith. Must believe two things that he is. There's my object of my faith. And his faithfulness. That he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith detached from that kind of faith, Hebrews 6 faith, is not real faith. We have to have faith, but it has to be real faith. It has to be genuine faith. Faith is not freestanding on its own. It's I'm over, me, and my, me and my faith and I, okay? We're over here and we got life under control. Might throw the word Christian around it too. But still, that's freestanding faith. It's, um, there's a self-sufficiency in it. Uh, and it is not true faith in God. It has to be in the Lord. I want you to turn. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures before we close this morning. Matthew chapter 9. I personally am excited about this, this study and this thought. And just, uh, I want my faith to be strengthened. I'm glad I'm part of the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And that you are too. Matthew 9, 27. And when Jesus departed thence, Two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And they say unto him, Yes, Lord. He touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Well, we can see the importance of faith, the necessity of faith, but it's also it's the necessity, necessity of true faith, the necessity of faith in God. And so I don't know how strongly they believed or if you could measure it and so forth, but I know that they believed. But how do we know they believed? Because Jesus said, first of all, do you believe I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord. Well, they could have been lying. OK, they weren't lying. Because he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. And he touched them and their eyes were open immediately. So they did have faith. And it wasn't Star Wars faith. And it wasn't faith in themselves. And it wasn't faith in each other. And it wasn't faith in a creed. And it wasn't faith in a dogma. It was faith in Christ. How do we know? Because he says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Now see the difference? This is very important. This is not a little thing. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord, we do. He didn't ask them, do you think you can do it and heal yourselves? It's the same thing for, uh, for, for Mary and Martha at the tomb of their brother Lazarus, right? I'm the resurrection of life. He that believes in me, though he dead, yet shall he live. And he says, he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that about me? See, there's an object of our faith at every, at every turn. 
It's Christ, His promises, His word, His power, His character. It's not based upon how I feel. It's not based upon I had a really good church service and I got really pumped up. It's based upon childlike faith almost, trusting in God. I trust God. But all everything else says this. Every other circumstance says this. All my physical sight says that's not happening. But trust in God. Have faith in God. Blind men are blind. They couldn't be received their sight. But they did receive their sight. Because nothing's impossible to him who believes. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Listen, men are not going to stand or fall based upon some arbitrary positive outlook on life. Mind control. And we'll call that faith. Uh, men are not going to be judged one day eternally. Uh, go to heaven or hell based upon the fact that that uh, you know they had some kind of faith and a positive outlook on life. But absolutely, every man will be judged by the judge of all the earth or whether or not we believed in Christ, His Son. Do you believe in Him? We must believe He is. We must come to God like in Hebrews 11. He that cometh to God must believe He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Our faith and true faith must be based upon the Lord. Uh, Jesus said in John 3.18, talking to Nicodemus, He says, uh, He that believeth is not condemned. He that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Well, what is faith? What is He talking about there? The one that's condemned already because He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There's the object of our faith. Right there. I might feel unchristian today. I might feel filled with doubt and insecurities and wonder and confusion. But my, my faith is in God. It's not based upon how I feel. I can't tell you all how many times I've gone to Foxy's on Thursdays to do our ministry or the prisons. And I'll even, I wouldn't say it because it's a sin, okay? But I don't feel like going. I'm in the middle of cutting grass. I got to stop and hose myself off and go to Foxy's. I got to, and it's just me whining like a baby. I don't feel like going to the prison tonight. Um, you know, I don't even know these people and, you know, they're whatever. And yet I go, I'm not doing God a favor. I know I'm not doing God a favor. I'm, I know that it's what He's called me to do. I know that He's going to bless me for doing it. He's going to bless He's going to bless the whole thing. This past Thursday, I didn't want to go to Foxy's. And it was raining, and I was kind of hoping it get rained out. And it stopped raining about 2.30. You know, we go out there at 3.30. Okay, we're going to go. And I, you know, I love it. But I mean that, like I'm thankful for it. Don't get me wrong. I just didn't feel like in my flesh going. Okay? And we went. And I didn't think the Bible study was that wonderful or anything like that. Nothing special. I did talk about Christ and the resurrection. And just preaching the truth to these kids. And I think three or four of them, or three of them prayed to give their lives to the Lord. One of them is like a 14-year-old boy. It's not just some little kid. And, uh, you know, I'm thanking God. He's faithful. He's faithful. But faith, true faith is not based upon, uh, I didn't feel it today. I didn't feel a thing when I was teaching and three people gave their life to Christ. You understand what I'm saying? It's wonderful. Have faith in God. And so let's close with this. In, in Romans chapter 4, you know, we talk about Hebrews 11 being a, a chapter on faith, and it definitely is. Hebrews, I mean, Romans 4 
is as well. Talking about Abraham and his life and the promise that came to him by faith. We're just going to read a few verses. Romans 4, 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father. This is talking about Abraham in the Old Testament. I have made thee a father of many nations. Wherefore, but before him who he believed. So Abraham believed in the Lord. Even God, this is a description of God, who quickens the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Didn't we start out with faith as a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen? Abraham didn't see Isaac. He didn't see his wife pregnant. He didn't see any of that. All he knew is that she had been barren and they had no children. He was 75. I mean, he's 75 and she's 65. And God promises not only a son, but nations to come from your lineage. And it says he believed God who can call those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. In other words, against all of the, in the face of all of the circumstances that are saying, it's not going to happen. Eric, it's not going to happen. Isn't that ever going to happen? In face of all of that, and waking up in every day and seeing all of that, and it's almost looking like that lying voice is right, okay? In the face of all that, in, in, against hope, he believed in hope. What does it say? Continue to trust God. That God's true and every man's a liar. That he might become the father of many nations. Did he become that? He did. How did he do it? By faith. God did it. He didn't incubate a thought. He kept his trust in God. And God brought it to pass. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. His thoughts weren't constantly on, I'm old, I'm too old to have children. I'm too old to have children. I'm too old to have children. His thoughts weren't on that all the time. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at what? The promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. That's what faith is. Persuasion. Being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. A couple of things there about Abraham. He believed God who quickens the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. And he believed the promise of God. What he did not do was write his own ticket to God, hand it to God and say, do this. Do this for me. Here's what I want. And I'll be a good man and I'll tithe and I'll be able to do all these good things, but here's what I want. Here's my ticket, God. Take it and you get back to me and let's make it pretty snappy. I want you to get this done for my life. He did not do that. He believed God and he believed the promise that God made to Abraham. So shall your seed be. God and his promise are unbreakable. And he became the father of many uh, nations. He didn't invent something that he wanted God to do and then quote, believe God for that. He heard the promise of God and believed God for that. In the face of all the opposition, and it came to pass. Jesus said unto Martha, Said I not unto you that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Just believe me enough to roll the stone away. Not even asking you to raise the dead. He might ask you to raise the dead one day, but he'll give you the faith to do it as well. Okay? And he's going to be the one that does it. But he says, Roll the stone away. 
And then he spoke and raised Lazarus from the dead. She had to believe God, the Lord, and his promise. And okay, he told me to roll the stone away. I'm rolling it. She didn't have it all figured out in her head. She did trust him. Because everybody was thinking she's crazy. What is she doing? His body stinks. Why is she why are they rolling the stone away? What's she, she's lost her mind? And yet she's obeying the Lord. And God, she got to see the glory of God. And I'll close with this. The only way that you're going to see the glory of God, and I'm going to see the glory of God, is going to be by believing in Him. That's how Abraham became the father of many nations and had the child of his old age and the blessings of God upon his life. It's because he trusted the Lord, in the Lord. And the altars are open, y'all. While you're coming, I want to read this scripture. Let's come and just ask God to strengthen our faith. That's going to probably be the altar call for, for all this whole series that God forgive me for doubting. Forgive me if I've made faith something other than biblical faith. Forgive me if I have gotten my eyes off of you and put my faith or confidence in something else or someone else, even my own Christianity. If I put my faith in my Christianity, our faith has to be in the Lord. It says in Isaiah 25, 1, O Lord, Thou art my God, I will exalt Thee. I will praise Thy name, for Thou hast done wonder, wonderful things. Thou, counsel, thou counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. From everlasting to everlasting, He's God. And His counsels from old are faithfulness and truth. He's never misled us. He's always been faithful. He's always just who He said He is and, and who He's going to be. Amen? And we can put our trust in Him. And so, Father, we come before You this morning, God. I pray that You would meet with us individually, God. Meet with us as a church. And God, as we, we call upon You, we we put our faith on you. We focus our eyes. Like the Bible says that, Lord, that Moses endured as seeing him was invisible. That God, we want to see you. As even though you're invisible to us, by faith we can see you. By faith we can obtain the promises of God. And Lord, we want to trust you and forgive us when we have doubted. The disciples could at that point in life could not cast that demon out of the boy because of their unbelief. Peter marveled at the withered up fig tree so had happened so fast and your answer was have faith in God. We have faith in you, Lord. Help our unbelief. Strengthen our faith in you. Thank you that we have as a bedrock and a foundation of our, our faith and the Christian faith and personally my faith in my life at the bedrock and the foundation is the Lord Himself, is Jesus Christ, the rock of my salvation from everlasting to everlasting. Your God, I have you as the foundation of my faith, God. All other ground around us is sinking sand. We don't have to look anywhere else, God. We can put our faith in you and we can trust you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.